Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, take your Bibles, if you will, turn to Luke chapter 18. I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled One Matters, and I preached on one soul matter, one decision matters, and today I want to preach on this subject, one prayer matters. Now, while you're finding your place, let me tell you a couple of things. One, uh, this past week, um, I'm in a little bit of a travel season. This past week, I talked hundreds of pastors in St. Louis and then in Springfield, Illinois. I was there for a couple of days teaching uh, four or five times. And then uh, tomorrow I'm preaching at the Georgia Evangelism Conference down in Warner Robins, Georgia. And then uh, this weekend for three or four days, I'm actually going to be in uh, Anchorage, Alaska this weekend. And I'm taking Josh with me. And for those of you who think that's cool, it's, it's not cool, it's freezing. Uh, it's uh, uh, the, last we checked, and we haven't checked in a couple of days, but last time we looked, the high Sunday is going to be negative seven. The high Sunday is going to be negative seven. Now, I've, been to, I've been to Alaska a few times, but it's always in like June, July, August t- kind of time. Never been in February. And so uh, we'd appreciate your prayers that we survive, number one. And uh, hey, I want to tell you this, uh, this coming Sunday, Brian Fawcett will be here preaching. I want to make sure that you're here. Uh, I've asked him to preach a, a simple, good gospel message Sunday. So it's gr- going to be a great Sunday for you to invite your lost family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, you name it. Let them hear Brian preach. And so be prepared for that. Be praying for that. You'll see some things on social media about it. I usually get him one time a year. And so that'll be this time in February. And we'll receive a love offering digitally. So come prepared to give digitally or or, or in person next Sunday. And just be praying that God will do great and mighty things. I want to preach today on this subject. One prayer matters. We, we are praying people in America. For, for many Americans, even every day is a day of prayer. As a matter of fact, when we do the research, here's the kind of things we find that 55% of Americans say they pray every single day. That's more than half of Americans say they pray every day. But get this, uh, 21% say they pray weekly or monthly. So you add all of that up and three quarters of Americans basically are praying on a regular basis. And we ask who doesn't pray, 23% say they seldom or, or, or never pray. And here's always the interesting thing. If you ask people who are non-religious, the religiously unaffiliated, do they pray? This is funny. 20% say they pray daily. Who are they praying to every day? I don't get it. No religion, no God. It feels like you'd want to meet the guy before you talk to him, right? And so, but 20% of them say, and when you dig a little deeper, we find out women are more likely to pray every day than men. That's uh, men. Let me just, this is not a man sermon necessarily, but men, let me just tell you this. You own the spiritual leadership of your home. Your wife shouldn't be praying more than you and, uh, and your, your family desperately needs your prayers. I say often at home, I say often here at church that if you're not praying for your wife, chances are nobody else is. If you're not praying for your kids, chances nobody else is. If you're not praying for your husband, chances are no, no one else is. And so we ought to lead out in that area of prayer. And then we find too that uh, Americans 65 and older are more likely to pray every day than uh, millennials, ages 30 and under. That's not a big shock though, right? Like, like when you're 65, 
you got a lot of reasons to pray. Like you've been through the fire at 65 and you know, when you're 65 uh, and I'm pointing at me like I am, I'm not 65 yet. Uh, Denny's 65. And again, Denny's my man crush. I'm going to look like Denny and have his energy when I'm 65. But, um, but you know, stuff doesn't work the way it should at 65 and you pray. And then you've seen a lot of death at 65. You've seen a lot of heartache and pain at 30. You think the world's your oyster and nothing's ever going to hurt or, or break or die. And, uh, so, but listen, for all you 30 year old, you will start praying. I promise you, you'll pray more later on in life. We are a people of prayer. It's ingrained in us to, to call on a higher power. Heard about a little boy. He came home from grammar school and he came home with this stuffed animal that he had won at the class Valentine's party. And his mom said, oh, this is pretty neat. How did you win it? And he said, well, my, my teacher put all of our names in a box and she drew my name out. And then he hung his, hung his head down really low and sad. And she said, son, what's the matter? He said, I cheated. She said, how'd you cheat? He said, I prayed that I'd win. And you know, prayer is the Christian's cheat tool. Prayer is the access that we have to the throne of heaven. And God said, when it comes to praying, he does, just doesn't want us to pray, that God wants us to pray boldly. The writer of Hebrews said this in, in Hebrews chapter four. He said, uh, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Come, come to the throne of grace with boldness. That's what he tells us to pray, how to pray. But when it comes to prayer, we don't really know how to pray boldly and we don't know how to pray. And we honestly get nervous talking to God uh, on a daily basis or a regular basis. And, and so I want to address that today because you need to understand this. You need to know that your prayer could make a difference. And when I say your prayer, I don't mean you're praying. I mean, you're praying obviously can make a difference that when you pray for your family every day, when you pray for your loved ones every day, when you pray for the church every day, obviously that makes a difference. I'm not discounting that at all, but what Jesus was trying to tell us in Luke 18 was not that your praying makes a difference. Jesus was trying to tell us that your prayer can make a difference. Your prayer is that burden you have on your heart that you can't get off your heart. For some of you here today, it's a family member who's lost or away from God. For some of you here today, it's that, just to use general language, it's that blessing that you desperately crave or need from the Lord. For some of you, it's that relationship that you so desire to be restored. For some of you, it's healing, and it, that may be emotional healing far more than physical, but for some, it's physical, and you have this prayer, this burden that's on your heart that every time you kneel, it's this subject that comes to your mind. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, it's this person that comes to your mind. When you get up first thing in the morning and you step into the shower, it's this prayer that comes to your mind and this prayer dominates your life. It's your prayer. It's the one prayer that you can't get away from. Let me ask you today, answer me. How many of you have one of those kind of prayers in your heart? Let me see your hand. Yeah, almost all of us. Would Jesus address that prayer? Luke 18 is not a lesson on praying. It's a lesson on that prayer. 
So let's stand together, if you will, as we honor God's word by reading. Luke chapter 18 is it's the third book in the New Testament. Or I, I have it up on the screen if you want to see it on the screen. Look, look beginning in verse number one. Now Jesus told his disciples a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he not delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Thank you. You may be seated. Many of you are familiar with this story, this parable. Many of you uh, have heard it preached before, read it in your own Bible. And, and the, more, the story is this. I can say it in, in less than a minute. The story is this. There was a widow lady who desperately needed to ha- find uh, a judgment in, uh, uh, against someone in her life. She desperately needed justice restored to her life. And she went to a judge who had no reason to listen to anything she said. But the Bible said this widow lady kept pestering the judge, going to the judge in prayer, and requesting, uh, going to the going to the judge and request and asking for the same thing over and over and over again. And finally the judge gave it to her. That's the whole story. And Jesus is trying to give a lesson on prayer to his disciples. And he's warning them that he has been their bubble. He has been their insulation, but he's about to leave. And he's talking about the hard work and the, and the hard road and the hard times that lie ahead. And he's telling them that prayer will be the lifeline in their Christian life. And I don't know if you've discovered that yet or not, but prayer is the lifeline of the Christian life. It's the lifeline of life in general. And if you aren't relying on prayer, you're missing one of the greatest blessings God has given to us. And so each one of these disciples is going to have their one prayer. If you study their history, each one of these apostles are going to have their one prayer in their life before it's over. And Jesus is telling them how to go about praying their one prayer that matters. There's 10 different things I could say about this parable. I love this parable. I love preaching on it as often as I can. But can I go back and just tell you three things this morning about your one prayer? Number one, I want you to know this. Prayer is tough. Jesus told him this in Luke 18, 1. And this, this verse sets the tone for the whole sermon. He said, he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. Pray always and not give up. Pray always and not give up. The key word there is the word always. It's the idea of continual prayer. And to get this, not continuous prayer, not prayer without a break, but continual prayer. That I'm always praying for this one prayer. That that persistence in prayer is a requisite to making it effectual in your life. This is the tone setter for the entire parable that Jesus wants you to continually pray. But then he adds this caveat and not give up. What does it mean by not give up? Some translations translate it different ways and they're all, they're all correct. It means to not faint, to not turn coward, to not pass out, to not lose heart. It means to not give in to the enemy, to not give up to the evil, to not let the, the wicked one win. Jesus is looking for the tone that we need to have in our prayer and he's looking for continual prayer, get this, that doesn't give up when we don't get an answer immediately. Now listen, you have that prayer, 
Jesus is looking for continual prayer that doesn't give up when you don't have an answer immediately. Now, that doesn't sound like our praying really, does it? I mean, our praying, we're not a patient people. I mean, some, some of you are saying, well, preacher, I, I don't have a lot of patience. No one does. No one does. My wife has more than me, but none of us have a lot of patience, Right? Nobody likes to wait. Nobody goes to Publix and sees 12 people in line and says, oh boy, I get to wait 30 minutes in this line today. Nobody does. We're not good at waiting. We're not good at enduring. We're not good at being told to hold on. We're just not in the habit of waiting. And Jesus said, here's what I need. I need for people to have a prayer upon their heart that when I don't answer immediately, they don't give up. People who can wait, and that's just hard for us. Timex, the people who made the watch, determined how hard it was going to be. And they did a study on how long Americans are willing to wait on things. Here, here are some examples. Number one, they said, we're willing to wait 13 seconds before we honk at a car in front of us that stopped at a green lot. Ain't no way. <laughs> 13 seconds. I've already drugged the driver out of the car in front of me and have him roll on the side of the road. No, 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 that can't. I'm not calling by a liar, but come on, man, 13 seconds? Hey, 13 seconds, the light, the light is already back to red. <laughs> Hence the me dragging you out of the front seat at the end to, to pray for you while you're there. And <laughs> 26 seconds before we hush somebody who's talking in a the movie theater, wait 30 seconds. 26 seconds before we take the seat of someone who's walked away. 45 seconds before we ask someone who's talking too loud on a cell phone to keep it down. Please don't ever be that person. It's the airport in Atlanta this week, and there's a lady two rows over, and there's, we're surrounded by people, and she is screaming into her cell phone at the top of her lungs. I don't care what you're having for dinner tonight at your house. <laughs> 13 minutes for a table at a restaurant, I, I think that's excessive. I I will, we go to a restaurant, I'll, I'll always gentleman like drop my wife off at the door and then I'll go park and then I call her <laughs> and say, how long's the wait? And I'm always, I'm, I'm patient. I'm always willing to wait a minute or two on a table at a restaurant, but it looks like the average is 13, 20 minutes for a blind date to show up before we leave. Hey, 20 minutes in, he ain't coming if he's not there in 20 minutes. And then this one's funny. 20 minutes for the last person to show up for Thanksgiving dinner before we dig in has never happened at my house and will never happen at my house. I want to eat early. We're not awaiting people. Patient perseverance is not our thing. As a matter of fact, it's easy for us to quit. And I want to tell you today, I don't know what the need is in your life, but I want to encourage you, don't give up. Prayer is tough. And I just want to tell you, sometimes you do have to wait on God. Sometimes the blessing and the answer to your prayer comes because prayer is tough. The prophet told us in Isaiah this, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It comes to those who wait on the Lord. It's easy to give up when you're not seeing results. It's easy to get depressed when you have a need God is not answering. It's easy to lose your spirit when your prayers don't seem to be going anywhere. But can I tell you this? Here's why prayer is so tough. All of hell is fighting your prayer. The devil's not going to make it easy on you. 
The devil's not going to say, well, God, answer this one for them. I feel sorry for them too. No. All of hell is fighting your prayer. That's why it's so hard to pray for an hour. That's why a minute seems like an eternity in prayer. Because prayer is tough. And here's what Jesus said. Knowing that all of hell is fighting your prayers, know this, don't give up. Don't lose heart. And I want to tell you today, whatever your prayer is, whatever that thing or those things that are upon your heart and life that burden you, whether it's a person, whether it's a blessing, whether it's a healing that ever needs to come your way, listen to me, don't give up. Prayer is tough. Second thing Jesus tried to told him, to try to tell them was this. Number two, the prayer may take some time. The prayer may take some time. Verse number three said, the widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. Kept coming to him. She just kept at it. She was continually in the judge's ear. The Bible starts off by telling us he was a a judge who didn't fear God. He had no moral compass and he didn't care what any man thought. Probably what we would call narcissistic today. Here's a man who has no moral compass and is narcissistic. And you have to know how judges worked back in the day. They were either appointed by the Romans or at this time by Herod. And, and it was a corrupt system. Like everybody knew it was corrupt and they just didn't do anything about it. They expected it to be corrupt. And the only way you could get a judge to rule in your favor was this. Have influence or wealth. Influence or wealth. The judge would always rule for the influential and the wealthy. And when he ruled for those people, he would always ask for money under the table. It was expected that a bribe would be given. So if you came to the judge and you had no influence and you had no wealth, you were never going to win your case. As a matter of fact, there's a good chance that this lady is coming to him and commentators tell us that she's coming to him and she has a case against a wealthy or influential person and he's not going to hear it. No way, lady. I've already been paid off by the other party. I'm not listening to you. But he called it in verse three that she she kept coming. Some translations say by her continual coming. I love that if you look in your Bible, the title of this parable is normally the persistent widow or the nagging widow. And the Bible tells us that she was rejected. Now, here's the truth. When you get rejected, you normally give up. It's a scientific fact. Like, do you know science tells us that they've done studies where they hook people up to MRIs? And did you know that in your brain, your brain, the same, active, the same part of your brain is activated when you're rejected as when you're in pain? Like when we say rejection hurts, literally your brain causes pain in your body when you are rejected. So that's why if we get rejected, we run away from rejection because it hurts us. They took the same group of people and they gave one group Tylenol and another group a sugar pill. And and then they had them recall their most painful rejection in their lives. And in the people who took Tylenol, they actually had soothing going on in their brain. Why? Your brain almost doesn't know the difference between rejection and pain. It's the same thing. So it hurts so much we run away from it. So listen, listen to me say this. If, so what happens is prayer becomes a one and done activity in our lives. Well, God, I asked you to do it yesterday and you haven't done it, so I'm done. I'm done. A one and done activity. But can I tell you this? You aren't going to get far in life 
if you're waiting on instant gratification, because Jesus said this, that God's elect are crying out to him day and night, crying day and night. Does that sound like your prayer life? I mean, we have this mentality that if God loves us, that all we have to do is whisper a prayer once and it should be done. But here's what God said about praying. Day and night. Crying day and night. Your prayer may take some time. This story happened a few years ago is at the Washington Reagan National Airport in Washington, D.C. And they, they, uh, airports get complaints all the time. People write and complain to them in the surrounding areas about the noise of the planes. And so Washington one year got 8,670 complaints at the Reagan National Airport. 8,670 planes, which even by a large city is a large number of complaints. But here's the deal. 6,500 complaints came from the same person. 6,005, that is an average of 18 complaints a day. Finally, the Reagan National Airport said, we are working to address the situation. Translation, we're trying to buy that guy another house somewhere else. It's not worth it. He got his problem worked on because he cried out day and night which is exactly what God told me and you to do in prayer. And I want some of you are thinking, this verse is coming to your mind. Just let me answer the objection, Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And when you pray, do not babble on like pagans, for they think that by their many words they'll be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And we read that verse and we're like, well, wait a minute. Jesus said in another place for us not to go on and on. No, that verse is telling us not to make long, wordy public prayers. And God does know what you need before you ask. But if that confuses you, your view of God and prayer are wrong. Because hear me, God is not a vending machine that I insert a prayer into and get what I want. Hit a button. God is a person who wants to be in relationship with me. And in the development of that relationship, as I explain to him what I think I need and why I need it, God will help me understand that need. Here's how most of us approach prayer. God, let me tell you what I need and what I want. And here's what God says about prayer. God wants you to pray like this. God, we need to talk about something. And you allow the relationship to build. Prayer is tough. And the prayer may take some time. There's some of you here today that you've got the prayer on your heart and mind and you're tempted to give up, but maybe it's because you thought God was like a vending machine. If I just ask, he'll do it where God says, no, I want to talk about it. And we may talk about it for a while, but you need to get somewhere to where we understand each other. And that leads me to the third thing you said about prayer. And that's this, that we are to wear God out before you wear out before we wear out. Look what he says in verse five. Yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Persistent. Here's what it said. She's widow keeps pestering me 
or, or some translations say, weary me. Now, that's a great word to understand. The word literally means to beat someone black and blue. It's the picture of you taking your fist in the Greek and you beating somebody black and blue is also used of giving somebody a black eye. So when the word is used in its strictest context, it meant to beat somebody up, to leave them black or blue. But when it was used figuratively, as, as it often was used, the word meant to wear somebody out, to beat them black and blue emotionally. And so when this widow keeps pestering me, it literally means that she was beating him black and blue emotionally. Well, how does that help? Well, look, look back at verse number seven. Look in your Bibles with me, if you will. And notice what God says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Now, Jesus contrasts the judge and God. Here's what he says. If the unjust judge will finally bring justice, don't you think God will do that? To those who cry to him day and night, to those who beat him black and blue. Look at verse number eight. I'll tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, here's the key. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find faith on earth? See, the danger is not in prayer. The danger in prayer is not that God's going to be unfaithful to his promises. That'll never happen. The danger in prayer is that you will be discouraged and give in and give up and give out before God's had a chance to answer your prayer. The sole meaning of that last phrase in verse number eight is that there's more danger in you growing weary than there is in you wearing God out. And so Jesus gave you an invitation this morning. You don't wear out. You wear me out. And if the judge will answer the prayer, I will answer the prayer. He's not saying he'll, he, when he says he'll answer it speedily, he's not saying he's going to answer the prayer quickly. He's saying that when he acts, he'll act decisively. And I know sometimes you think God's not hearing your prayers, but he's listening. He's just waiting for you to keep on praying. An invitation from God for you to pester God to death. That's why when my girls were born, I immediately started praying for their spouse. I figured, God, I'm going to put decades into this. So when some old terrible guy is about to hook up with my daughter, I want, and the angel's about to carry a bum over to my girl, I want God to go, Lord, no, no. That guy's worn me out about this for two decades. I do not want to miss out on this answer. It's why I pray for Jax every, every Monday, my first grandchild, I pray for Jax to be saved. Started the day he was born. You know why? Because when God's spirit is moving through a congregation, when he's of the age old enough to understand, when God's spirit's moving, I want, I want God to say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and save Jax. Joel's been wearing me out about that. Let's convict his heart. I could go on and on and on. There are prayers that I have on my prayer list that I have no, they're not even possible to answer now. So why are you praying them? I am praying them so I am wearing God out. They're not unanswered. I'm just not giving up. You can close your Bibles and I'm, I'm finished. This guy 
Bill Lacavora was, Lacavara was fishing off the coast of Atlantic City, New Jersey, and he reeled in a plastic bag a few years ago. He opened the plastic bag, and inside there he found unopened 300 letters and notes that were all prayers. 300 prayers that had been written to a local pastor who had died two years earlier. And the prayers had never been opened. The best the authorities can surmise because they tried to get them back is that uh, when, when the pastor died, people cleaned out his house and they threw the prayers away. And somehow the prayers wound up in the ocean in a sealed up in a plastic bag, still in good shape. You can see the notes and prayers there. Bill said the prayers were some frivolous. One guy asked if he could win the lottery two times. It was his little pastor prayed with me, I want to win the lottery twice. And by the way, I'll pray with you to win the lottery as long as you tithe off of it, double tithe off of it as a matter of fact. But um, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding about the tithing, but I'm kidding about the other. But um, he asked for $50,000 the first win and then over a million dollars the second time. He was specific. They said, me and the prayers were heartbreaking. They were breaking. There were, there were pay- prayers from anguished spouses and children and widows all crying out to God. There were prayers of family members for, for their family members who were on drugs, addicted to gambling, cheating on them. There was one particular prayer in there of a young lady who had had an abortion and she was telling the pastor she couldn't get over it. She thought about it every day and the mistakes she made and she was asking for Help me pray that God would forgive me and move beyond it. Three, 300 prayers, saddening prayers, tossed away unanswered, unopened. And I think sometimes we think God is doing that to us. Like we think God's not answering my prayers. He's tossing them away. But I can tell you, God is listening. God is speaking. God is planning. And he may be waiting for your persistence. He may be waiting for the relationship to develop. I I can prove that with one illustration, one question. How many of you have ever prayed for something and then a little while later, you were thankful God didn't answer that prayer? Can I see see your hand? Yeah, we've all. If you've ever prayed, you've been there, then on Monday you're like, Lord, give me this thing. And then on Friday, you're like, Lord, whatever I said Monday, I was on drugs. Lord, please don't answer that prayer. Whatever it takes to not get that answered. Some of you in high school prayed, God, I want to marry that girl when I grow up. And then you didn't. And 20 years later, you're like, Lord, thank you for not letting me marry, marry that guy, that girl. Right? You know what happened? The relationship needed time to develop. You thought you wanted something and you didn't and God spared you. Right? So that's why he wants pestering prayer. Wear God out. Prayer's tough. It's going to take some time. So just wear God out. And I'll be honest, that's not describing our prayer life. Pew Research did the research and here's what they found that In religious activities, the average American spends nine minutes a day in total of religious activities, nine minutes a day, nine minutes. 
If you're at church for two hours on Sunday, that factors into your average, which means basically you're not giving God any time during the week. None. Nine minutes. Nine minutes. Can I just tell you this? For that prayer, that one prayer that matters in your life to you above all else, even nine minutes is not going to get it done. God said, pester me. Cry out day and night. God said, let the relationship develop. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's start at the beginning and let's, let me get you where you need to be. And then let's look at the prayer you're praying. That's the prayer he's asking for. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I've got great news for you. You don't have to beg God to save you. You don't have to pester. The one prayer we're told in the Bible, the one prayer we're told in the Bible that God will answer immediately is, Lord, save me. And he will. If you're here today and do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, it's as simple as ABC. A, admit you're a sinner and can't save yourself. Believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day. And C, call out to him. Confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. And our pastors are here at the front. And I want to invite you to do this. Slip out from where you are. Walk down the aisle. Take a pastor by the hand and say, I want to trust Jesus today. He'll save you today. Today. All glory to God. Maybe you want to join our church or be baptized. Just come tell our pastors that. Don't just come kneel, come take them by the hand. If you want to be saved, baptized, or join the church, come take one of our pastors by the hand. They're standing here facing your direction. Just say, hey, here's the decision. We're not going to embarrass you at all this morning. No way. Just quietly answer your questions and pray with you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, whether you're at Rossville or whether you're here at the Rock Spring campus. I want to ask you one more time. How many of you have that one prayer on your heart? that you can't get away from. If you do, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand again. Rock Spring, Rossville, let me see your hand. All over the building, hundreds, hundreds of hands. Hey, this morning, my invitation, heads bowed or eyes closed, my invitation this morning is this. Would you pester God? Some of you have the prayer, but, but you're not just wearing God out. And the invitation is wearing God out. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to come to the altar this morning and begin that process of wearing God out. Not God do this for me, but God, I need to talk to you about something. And come to the altar today and say, God, we have got to have a conversation and I'm not letting it go. Until you change me or you change the circumstance or you change them, God, I'm not letting it go. It may not be continuous prayer without a break, but God, it's going to be continual prayer. And every chance I get, I'm praying, God, answer my prayer. And some of you just need to do it today. You need to come to the altar. As we sing these altars filled this morning, you need to come this morning and just say, God, I'm starting it today. I'm renewing it today. I'm not letting go till you've answered my prayer. These are here praying. You need to come. Father, draw us with your spirit. You've spoken through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.